Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. USAA.com. Judd. The sincerity in that side of the glass is so low right now between both of you guys. Judd. Yes, What Kenny? would you rather skip? Uh, this training session or the state fair? Um, I love training. You know that. I love training sessions. I'm all for them, right, Kenny? B Bye. as in B as Bye, as Kenny. As. See ya. Matthew Collar in for Phil today. Let's get started. There we go. To the right field corner and deep. Gone! A three-run home run for Escobar. And the Twins have broken it open here in the eighth. We call that trade bait. We call this brilliance. Half swing. Did he go? Yes, he did, according to David Rackley. Two down. And another one gets a swinging strike three. Got the inside corner. Breaking ball down and in. And a breaking ball. And Reyes prances off the mound. Another three batter inning in the seventh. Seven shutout innings and a 2 nothing Twins lead. Matthew Collar. Matthew Collar, I interrupt I interrupt my criticism of the Minnesota Twins to tell you right now that Jose Barrios, Jose Barrios, once again last night, brilliant. We are talking about a guy who for the rest of this year I have found I have found a guy that I want to watch on a consistent basis. I have nothing bad to say about the Twins after last night, after watching that guy's curveball again. He, he at least is giving me reason once every five days to watch the 2018 Twins. If you were naming all the bad things that have happened to the Twins, well, they are numerous for this year. <laughs> yes, they are. But in the good things category, having Jose Barreos pitch consistently the way he has from start to right now, uh, he looks like a top-end starter. And it yeah. isn't just flashes of top-end starter, which I thought we saw last year, and then maybe he got a little tuckered out toward the end of the season. To continue to go strong here into the dog days and pitch like that, it very much feels like, I don't know if he's a, a true ace or a number two. He's, as, but cl- he's, he's as close as you've seen in a long time, right? <laughs> I mean, this is not a franchise that's had many true aces. Exactly. And when you watch him pitch, there are there are hiccups along the way, certainly. The Tampa Bay game, the Cubs game, which was not surprising. But you do see a level of consistency here. And when he's on, he's not just, ah, that's a nice outing. That's sort of good. When, when he's on, he's damn near brilliant. It was so fun to watch him last night, but it made me frustrated, Judd. Because now they're seven and a half games back of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep going back to what happened in Kansas City. You allowed an inside-the-park home run to Drew Butera to get swept in Kansas City. If they get two out of three in Kansas City, I think we're feeling like, well, maybe this isn't over yet. You might be right, but let me let me um, just just to try and to try and take this from 2018, which I think is lost to uh, to the future and into 2019. At least Barrios, when, when you see him pitch, gives you hope. And this is why I believe that you did a uh, a Twins-related poll on our Twitter account on Monday when Courtney was in for me. And this is why I agree with your assessment that the future is not bleak. There's enough here. If you can get Sano and Buxton, or at least one of them turned around, 
And you start to get up, up the prospects like Royce Lewis and Kurloff and those guys. This is not a lost cause. Now, if Buxton and Sano both both go in the toilet and don't come out, that's a huge problem. But let's say let's say you get Sano back next year and he's effective again. And Barrios pitches well. And Romero comes back up and pitches well. This is not this is not as dire, I think, as it feels in 2018. I do think that 2018 is a lost cause, but there is a very good chance that in a couple of years we look back and say that was a tough year, but it did kill you by any means. And when I start to poke around a little bit on the minor league system, you know, that we were always talking about for so long, Snow and Buxton, Snow and Buxton, Snow and Buxton, and neither one of those things are going all that great right now. So on to the next ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen what Steven Gonsalves is doing? Yes, and I believe he had an outing last night where he didn't walk a bunch of guys, which was becoming a big problem for him. Is that correct? Over his last 40 innings, he has a .45 ERA. That's over seven starts yep. for him. And he's allowed only 19 hits and one extra base hit. So in his last 40 innings, Gonzalez has allowed one extra base hit. That's how it should be in AAA if you're going to be a dominant pitcher and be ready to pitch in the major leagues. And he looks like he's getting pretty close. So when you start to think about the back end of this season, even if they don't make it more competitive here, although I guess we'll really know when they play Boston and then we'll have it. And then then Cleveland next week here. And then we'll we'll be sure, I think, where we stand. Uh, but if they're not close to Cleveland, then I think we'll be talking about, all right, let's get Gonsalves up here for some starts. Let's get Nick Gordon up here to replace Brian Dozier, who was traded to wherever. Mm-hmm. And there could be some things to enjoy, including including Jose Breo starts. I, I saw a report last night, uh, Sano, who, who, according to the uh, Star Tribune report that I saw a couple days ago, has dropped about 20 pounds, made not one but two outstanding defensive plays at Rochester last night. Okay, you could actually, if he's gonna come, if he's gonna take this seriously, this shouldn't take that much work, right? Like I think Buxton, Buxton is fundamentally a mess, and and that's gonna take some time. If you can get, if if Miguel Sano gets the message, dude, you're wasting your career, but you've got talent, and he loses weight, and he gets himself in shape, and he can play some third base again. And he he regains the plate discipline that he had when he came up here as a rookie. You could turn him around fairly quickly, I think. So so I just this this season has gone so wrong that at times it feels hopeless. And I think it is for this year. But I do think all the stuff that we're talking about right now speak speak to the fact that it doesn't have to doom your franchise. It's not like that. Yeah, the poll that I put out there was whether people felt like this was a train wreck or they were still going in, in the right direction or not care at all. And of course, train wreck and still going in the right direction were the closest. And that's where I think that the fan base is split. If you look with a microscope, you can see, well, you know, this doesn't feel good at all, but it's going in, in a good direction with the way that they're rebuilding. And they could add even more prospects if they move on from Dozier. Uh, or they could still consider re-signing Dozier, but I don't. I don't think that's going to be the case. I wouldn't. But with all the players that they've yep. got coming up, and all the teams that you see winning on a pretty consistent basis, this isn't like the early two thousands when the Yankees would just go and trade for everyone or sign everyone in the offseason, <laughs> or like they did last night with Zach Britton, or, or yeah, when yeah. they traded for him. Well, that that was a, that was a good move. I mean, now well, because bullpen, because they've yeah. got all the young players, the Aaron Judge, and well, Sanchez is in the news for loafing to first base, but he's a a promising hitter, and they've got you know a lot of things going on with good young players, and that's where the uh, the uh, Twins want to go. And the same thing with the Astros, the same thing with the Cubs. This is how all these teams did it, and the Twins are following along with that model and have a lot of exciting players. So I can't get to a point where I think the organization as a whole is a train wreck, and having Jose Barrios now for two seasons in a row yes. pitch really well exactly, and have electric stuff on a night-to-night basis... I mean, that makes you feel pretty confident about where you're going. So I saw some questions throughout the course of last night's game on Twitter as well. Why is a 35-year-old who's hitting a buck 70 in Bobby Wilson catching Braille's? And Roy Smalley did an outstanding job of explaining exactly why Mitch Garver is not catching him. Bobby Wilson last night caught a brilliant game. 
He can receive the ball. He sure He can. basically tells Boreos, I want the ball here. I'm going to set up here. Mm-hmm. You're going to throw it here. The confidence Barrios demonstrated was in part due to a a 35-year-old catcher who knows exactly what he's doing. And for all of those who are like, but Mitch Garver, he's 27, let's say, no, it's done. He can't catch. He can't get, you can't, you can't bring up young pitchers. You can't subject these young guys to a catcher who can't receive the ball. I don't care what he hits. You can move him to first base. You can move him to left field. You can DH him. I don't care. He might be a really nice guy. But the reason why you've got an old guy who can't hit catching is because he's really good. I would far, I would mother, rather forfeit the catcher position as far as a bat to have a brilliant game caught than I would say, but Mitch Garver, you got to give it. No, you don't. He can't. You called this three months ago? You basically said he can't catch. Well, he can't catch. And it isn't just that he can't receive the baseball. It's that he doesn't have a presence as a catcher either. I mean, there are guys who I have thought, eh, I don't know if this is the best receiver of the baseball or the best thrower, but then you see the way that he manages the pitchers. And Chris Jimenez was a guy last year that I thought that about. I wasn't blown away or anything by his skill behind the plate, but I thought his pitch calling was really good Mm -hmm. and his leadership was really excellent. He seemed to understand that someone like Kyle Gibson needed to kind of be pushed along a little bit. To, to have him, uh, you know, every time he made a good pitch in a good situation, to kind of pump him up a little bit. Because Gibson strikes me as the type of guy who can get down on himself and get frustrated out on the mound. His body language can be terrible out there, right? Yes, I mean, he's just, a, he's got just the, moping. He's got you know? the resting, I'm not happy face. Yeah, so, and he's he just kind of a moper. Now, this is the thing with Lance Lynn, that, I mean, Lance Lynn has the worst body language of any pitcher I've ever seen. Yep. And I don't think he had that all the time in St. Louis. And maybe he's not as happy here as he was in St. Louis, but he also had a catcher who was hounding him all the time. And if you are a 35-year-old guy who's been around a long time, maybe you can do that. If you're Mitch Garver and you can barely catch the ball, it's much harder to have that credibility to say, let's go, man. Exactly. To take that leadership position. I think that's the most important part. And old Bobby Wilson can do it. Ding, ding. Steps into it, passes, caught, digs, sideline, touchdown, unbelievable, Vikings win it! Pressure from Kerrigan, steps away, fires on the run, and it is caught, unbelievable! It's like glue on his hands from Thielen! So explain this to me, Matthew Collar. I've got three names for, for, for you here. Julio Jones, Aaron Donald, Earl Thomas. Mm-hmm. All are, are veteran players who are not going to report for the start of training camps with their teams because they are not pleased with their contracts. And then you have the- Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs is going to make a base salary in 2018, the last year of his rookie contract, of $1.9 million. Thielen is going to make a total of six point one million 3.9 base this year with three years left. How on earth do the Vikings avoid, especially Diggs, who by the way has everything to lose. If he mm-hmm. gets if he gets hurt, it's over. How do the Vikings convince or get these guys to report to training camp? Because in at least those two cases, you could easily have a guy say, you know what, I'm not doing this. And and I think we're in a day and age now where you've got a lot less fans who, who would say selfish player, terrible player, I think you, you have a lot more sympathetic fans now. With uh, Thielen especially, I mean, 91 catches, and then 69 catches the year before at a high, high rate of efficiency, he has become a superstar wide receiver in the league. And to get paid what he gets paid is mind-boggling. But I think this is the last year of that. From what I understand, uh-huh. they look at it as, Thielen probably looks at it as, okay, I had my big season, my 90-catch season, and we'll go through another season and see what Diggs gets paid and see what some of these other receivers get paid and then have that conversation with the Vikings. Even though he's got other years to go on his contract, paying him what they pay him now is a complete joke compared to the rest of the league. And with Diggs, I think he understands that if he shows up every single day and he doesn't say a darn thing about his contract Mm -hmm. and he goes out and catches a bunch of touchdowns and has a great season, 
that there's a hundred million dollars potentially waiting for him. I would I just think be, he knows that. I would just be somewhat concerned because that that's such a he's such a bargain basement player right now. If you get hurt, it's you're done. You know, I, with that concern, I I would say yes. But uh-huh. even if he got hurt and was lost for the season, even guys with injuries at that position that are that talented. They still get paid. And Sammy Watkins, to me, is the best example of a guy that has been hurt a lot more than Stephon Diggs in his career. He was hurt the very first preseason that he ever played in. Mm -hmm. And yet he got $30 million guaranteed. So it's almost like you know already on your body of work for the last two years that you're going to get paid big time. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the floor on that is still you getting paid big time. The ceiling is completely breaking the bank and having someone go bananas because by next year, those prices, the prices for someone like Jarvis Landry or Brandon Cooks, those prices are going up even more as the cap goes up and everything else next year. I think that that is probably his plan. And so for these two guys, you have one saying, all right, let's go out there, catch as many passes as possible and get paid big time. Yep. And the other guy is saying, I'm going to wait till he gets paid and then I'm going to get paid for mine. Right. <laughs> Uh, Jones, by the way, is due a $10.5 million in base salary in 2018 and has three years left on his contract as well. So he's he's not going to show up for the Falcons, and he's got $10.5 million base coming. By the way, Allen Robinson missed all of last year and still got $42 million over three years. Yeah, okay. If you, if you get so. hurt, you still get paid. I guess so. It's at such a premium position. Plenty of Viking stock to come today. Of course, the team reported yesterday, or I should say the rookies did, to Egan, and they'll begin practice today. So plenty of Viking stock. Courtney Cronin of ESPN.com will check in at some point. Dan Hayes on the Twins as well. Mackie and Judd today is Zolgan Collar. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd today, TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, Phil out until Friday. Matthew Collar in uh, today and tomorrow. So, Matthew, among uh, Diggs and Thielen, which player do you think would have a stronger case if he didn't show up at camp and said, I can't play uh, for this because both are complete bargains. There's been no indication at all that they would do that. But if you had had to pick one to say to advise and say, I'd give this some serious thought because you're playing you're playing for cheap. Which one would it be? Well, it it would probably be Adam Thielen because with Stefan Diggs, I know that he has to go out and prove that he can do it again to get that huge deal. And he would get a big deal right now from the Vikings, but he also has the potential to get a mega, mega deal if he hits the free agent market, although they could always franchise tag him next year. That could happen. And then that's when if you're digs and you don't want to be franchise tagged, then you might start causing some noise. With Adam Thielen, for a guy that's had the last two years that he's had, he is getting robbed blind compared to the rest of the NFL, and he deserves a new contract right now at this moment and, he, and should not show up to training camp. And he's got three years left. So he, right. And it's a, a, it's lot a of contract terrible left. deal for him. And I understand why he had to sign that at that time because nobody put in an offer sheet because they're not smart in the <laughs> NFL, I guess, all the time. I wrote the article when he was a restricted free agent. You know, the Packers should really just give this guy an offer sheet and give the Vikings. They didn't even put a first round tender on him. I think it was a second round Give the Vikings a second-round pick and pay this guy, and you've got a great wide receiver. Well, nobody did it. So he didn't have that much leverage. Well, now he's got a lot of leverage because if he sat out, I mean, you're talking about a massive part of your offense. And what did you say he's making, 3.5 base base salary? His base for uh, 2018 is 3.9. He's going to walk away with bonuses and such, uh, 6.1. I mean that's crazy compared to the best receivers in the league that are making three and Diggs times is at one point nine. That's the thing about this. You, you've got these two outstanding receivers, both both of whom are completely cost controlled. I think that they're in different spots for why you would have a beef mm-hmm. with with Diggs. I definitely agree. Yes, you're right. With, with Diggs, he might just make that decision himself. Hey, I'm just going to go and play and then try to break the bank. 
He isn't demanding a contract necessarily from the Vikings. We don't know that he's doing that. With Thielen, you're on, you're locked into a really bad contract. And I understand why he might want to wait one more year, because if he has an 80-catch season this year and has the same level of efficiency as he has in the past, I mean, my gosh, then you're, you can't go play with that contract again because you are worth so much. And maybe he's waiting. Maybe he's waiting to see what Diggs gets. Let's say they sign Diggs here at the beginning of camp. They're probably going to wait until next week, right? They're probably not going to announce it now, right? But let's say and they, he could sign. Yes, let's say they sign him to a contract. contract yes. If you're Thielen, that's probably what you're waiting for. Okay, you paid him that. I had a lot more catches last year. Now let's talk about my contract. But I also think what's hanging over this team is Super Bowl, and everybody knows if you win, then you're going to get paid. But ordinarily, don't you get greedy around this time as well? Because it seems like a lot of teams' players get greedy right now. He should be. Not more, hey, that's yeah. fine, I'll take mine when it comes. He should be putting pressure on them to completely blow up that contract and sign a new one. Uh, 651-646-8255 if you'd like to join the conversation. Paul, how are you? Good, how you doing? Outstanding. Are we going to hear some hockey talk today out of you two? I would imagine so at some point in time. Oh, okay. Al- although it's been pretty boring, Paul. <laughs> There's not a lot to talk about. Yeah, we could speculate, though, can't we? I'm, wait, I'm waiting on Eric Carlson. Yeah, they're doing that. Yeah, What's exactly. his deal? It's like, it's like MLB in the, in the offseason here. Question Go about ahead. Thielen. Yeah. Uh, you know, to Judd's point earlier about injury, are the Vikings um, more cautious with him? He had some back issues last year, if you guys remember, a couple of times. Uh, would they be a little more apprehensive of extending him right away instead of seeing how this plays out with him physically. The only back issue I remember from Thielen is in the divisional game where he went up to catch a ball and kind of got undercut and fell on his back. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, having talked to him at minicamp and asked about it and seeing him work out at minicamp, he's at 100%. I mean, every single one of these guys has some injury sometime. Yeah, sure. every Everyone you're going to sign has them because they've played NFL football games. But I don't think that that's... Part of it at all. I think the Vikings just feel awesome about where they stand with his contract, but they've got to know eventually he's going to come back to them and say, okay, guys, you're paying me $3.9 million base salary, and the rest of the league who is on on my level, those guys, are getting $15 million a year. We've got to close that gap. So so then why do you think, because me, who is struggling to make a living, uh, I, I really have a hard time you know, sympathizing with anybody saying, oh, I'm only making 1.9 this year or whatever. <laughs> uh, why, in your guys' mind, is the public more apt to extend now versus 10 years ago? I mean, there's just as many right. people out here struggling. So what, are they just used to it? Is that why? Thanks, Paul. Yeah, I, yeah that's a good question. I, I think I know why. I think there used to be this this acceptance that that it was all about the team, right? And and it was my team, and I love my mm-hmm. team. And how how could you do something bad to my team? I think now a lot of us are aware that the people that own these teams are greedy beyond belief. Yeah, the players' association is treated like absolute crap. So I think there's I'm I'm not saying that the that all of the public would side with the player. But if Thielen held out, and this was 1995, I think there'd be a like, I thought I knew Adam Thielen, but he's a selfish bleep. I think now you would have that from a faction of people, but I think you would also have a faction saying, you know, Ziggy just got a new stadium. Ziggy's got the TCO Performance Center. Mm -hmm. I think he can afford to pay this guy. That's, so I think it'd be different. That That's right. There's two different conversations, because if we were talking about society and we were starting this all again, you wouldn't let baseball players make $300 million. You just, you just wouldn't. I mean, that's just so absurd. How many helicopters do you really need? But the fact that the owners are making the type of money to pay someone that much, it's very much in the same way that if you are the CEO of ExxonMobil or something, they're going to pay you millions and millions of dollars because the company is worth that much and they feel you're that you're worth that much to them. I mean, if we're talking about like capitalism, this is very much capitalism, what we see with the way that these professional sports leagues are run. They make a ton of money and they give people so much because that's what they feel like they're worth. And they're also never going to give it to me, so I don't really worry about it. Right. I mean, in terms of like, I, I, yeah. I, I, I get where you stand is like, oh, come on, man. But if you were making, let's say you're making 50000 
and all of your peers who do the same job are making 200000 That's where Adam Thielen is. If, if all the other Vikings reporters were making $500,000, yeah. I'd, I'd be like, um, but I think, don't I deserve that too? But I think also the public view has changed because we are now acutely aware of how greedy these people are. Yeah. So, so owners, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the league and the owners, they, I, I think by default they they used to get uh, sympathy because they were viewed as that's my team. And now I think you look at Roger Goodell and you look at the teams and you say, you know yeah. what, these people are all incredibly rich. Uh, they're getting they're getting stadiums, they're getting practice facilities, they're getting subsidies, they're getting TV cash. You know what? Pay Thielen. So, right, and so if you want to be mad at anybody, it's really just society that you should be mad at for allowing the owners to make as much money as they do and not share it with the public really at all. But that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about... But dis- you could share it with a player. Distribution of wealth. But it's not that hard. It, it, <laughs> yeah. would, it wouldn't be that right. hard to call Adam in and say, you know, you've done a really fantastic job. We're not going to break the bank, but we're going to give you a bump here. But I do think that these conversations get pointed at the wrong people or used to, and maybe now we understand them better. They used to get pointed at the player. That, that's my point. You're greedy. How dare you be part of the yes. team? Be happy to be there. But then when you realize that the owners don't care about you for two seconds at all. They don't care about anything but, but the bottom line. If you get a hangnail, they will cut you and never talk yes. to you again. When you realize that, yes. then you can sympathize with the players. I, and and look, I mean, the money is completely out of control in pro sports. It definitely but, is. But keep in mind, Thielen's contract, which is dirt cheap, is not fully guaranteed. That's the thing about it. Right. I, I think we right. feel I think we feel much less sympathy for basketball, hockey, and baseball players because if they sign their contract, it's ironclad. So if they sign a good contract or bad one, they're going to walk away with every last cent. In football, if Thielen goes out there on the practice field Saturday and gets hurt. You're going to have a cont- and gets hurt really bad. You're going to have a contested. Okay, we're going to give him this much to you know to go away. Blah. So the NFL comes off as the ultimate greedy bad guy. I would love to hear from some more people, some more fans about this because for you and I, we always just deal with these numbers and kind of never think of how crazy they are. And you and I cover these guys and we understand their plight of. Hey, someone else is getting paid a lot more, so that's what I'm going to try to get paid. And also, it's a really dangerous sport, so yep. I've only got so many years. He's, I think Thielen's 28. I've only got so many more years to earn. 27, yep. You're 27, right. okay. Yep, so I've, kid. I've only got so many more years, though. I mean, you you play till you're, what, 32 if it goes yeah. really well, 34? Yeah. I've only got so many and, more years and he's to, not making, to earn the money. And he's not making much. Yeah. Like, this is not... Jones, I, I feel a lot less sympathy for it since he's got three years left on his contract and his base a salary for this year is supposed to be $10.5 million. I don't feel a ton... I mean, you, should he be paid more given the market? Absolutely. But that's a pretty good payday. But you're talking about Thielen in, in what's amounting to the prime of his career... Not making much. I also think for that for what he does. Part of it might be that I grew up in the era of Shaq getting whatever contract it was. I, I forget what the dollars were. Kevin Brown, remember Kevin Brown? He got like oh, a hundred and fifty million to go to. Yeah, he LA. and Mike Hampton got Mike huge Hampton. contracts, but those were all once again guaranteed too. Every last cent. So, that somewhere along that line, sports changed to. It's always at hundreds of millions of dollars for these guys, and it's just not really a reality that we're quite connected to. Yep. So I just think of it in terms of the sport and the dollars that exist, and it's just numbers, yep. and not so much how that really pertains to me and what I make. Um, but I could see where sports fans would look at that and say, hey, man, you should be pretty happy if you're making $6 million this year. So I'd be I'd be curious if if people have changed where they stand on this or if they still hate it when guys ha- uh, hold out. Uh six five one six four six eight two five five in the metro eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred outside. The show is Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar, and for Phil. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date on fifteen hundred ESPN. Hi, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Bland, half-baked, disrespectful, overexposed, not worth your time. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd, Matthew Collarin uh, for Phil today, TCL Broadcast Studios. We are talking about uh, players' uh, potential holdouts and the fact that I think we both feel, Collar, that we've evolved to a point now where, where instead of the player being the bad guy, if he holds out, especially in football, 
There's more forgiveness for the player because we are far more skeptical of the owners in the league than we probably used to be. And I think we also know what the long-term effects of playing football are. So you can see why a guy would want to get his money now and take care of his family now because a lot of them are going to be struggling down the road because they play this game. Uh, 651-646-8255 if you want to join the conversation. Ed, thanks for holding. Hey, guys. Um I'm uh, I'm Matthew's generation, and I, I remember just hating the MLB players in '94 because they <laughs> mm-hmm. stopped my favorite game. And it's one of those things now. I, every single professional athlete is underpaid in the big four sports. I mean, men. Speaking for men, uh, Steph Curry signed his deal. Forbes came out and said he's worth like double to the Warriors over the course of his deal. Um, you go to football, all these guys, I mean, what they're laying on the line and what they're getting paid. I drove around TCO uh, like a month ago. I, the owners aren't hurting for money. Right. They're doing just so I've fine. Come, I've come around. All right. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate it. That's a, that's a really good point, though, Ed, that the strike was probably the last time that people started or that people did look at pro athletes as being the ones that were causing the problem. But since we have so much access now to how much money gets made by the owners that we know that. Yep. And then the fact that since then we've had lockouts. I was going to say, I think they, I think the term and how it's done changed the perception because it used to be the players are striking. They're going out. They're stopping my favorite sport. And now it's for the most part, the owners are locking them out. So I, I think that's very much changed the the, pers- the public perception of how this works. And for a lot of people, I think they look at it as, and this is a, a tweet that I got from Braden here, is just when you see how much money that the NFL is making, how can you have any problem with any player trying to get just their piece of that pie? I mean, if you think about in the NFL, of all the players who ever try to play high school, play college, Division One, what percentage can play at that high of a level and create an entertainment product that is that successful, mm-hmm. it is a very, very low percentage. And how many of them have 91 catches? Like, we are not talking about every player demanding they get paid $15 million. Uh, I remember when the president said that, all oh, these guys are out there complaining when they make $15 million. Well, the problem with that is only about 2% of the league makes $15 million. Right. A lot of them come in play for a couple of years, get cut, never play again, and that's it. And, and it's not it. guaranteed. And they don't make anywhere close to enough to live for the rest of their lives on. It's only a handful of players that ever do it, and it's the ones that are really special and at the top of their craft. So you can see why they would want to get paid for that. It's kind of it's the same way with the top with Taylor Swift. I mean, she's the best at her craft at, at the pop music. Tay-Tay, and I call her. Yeah, I, I know you call it's her that. Tay-Tay. Um, and so if she can sell out U.S. Bank Stadium two nights in a row... She's going to get paid for that. And and that's probably how a lot of these players look at. How many defensive tackles are as good as Aaron Donald? The answer is zero. Who is, by the way, going to make a... He is scheduled in 2018 to make a base salary of $6.9 million, which is, sounds like a lot, and it is. It's dirt cheap for a player that good. Uh, 651-646-8255. Joe. Joe, go ahead. Hi, guys. Um, I... You know, I, I used to be in the camp when I was younger and probably more naive of resenting, I guess is probably a poor word, but the player's salaries. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's fair. I, th- I think my attitude really started to shift, and Judd broke, uh, brought it up earlier, of the public subsidies to the stadiums. And again, I, it was mm-hmm. probably naive on my part when I was younger that I didn't realize there was some give and take with governments and states and what have you, and the owners, but when they started getting all the public subsidies and, you know, doing the personal seat licenses and stuff. And I started to realize that these guys really aren't putting a lot of additional money besides salaries into their, into their um, company. It's like, forget it. I mean, go, you know, employee, go get the gusto. Thanks Joe. No, he he makes a, and, a really good point and, about taking using the public money for those. In Joe's defense, too, though, stadiums. don't forget, Joe, that that when the Metrodome was built in '82, it came in dirt cheap, under budget. It wasn't very nice. It was it was a stadium that the Vikings wanted, 
But you didn't look at the Metrodome and say, oh, my gosh, this thing is, is you know, an ode to the franchise, right? Well, now look. More and more stadiums are gorgeous. The, the facility in e- Egan that the Vikings are going to start practicing in this week is absolutely off the charts. Winter Park was what? Winter Park was a quaint, serviceable facility at the very best. But I think if you look at then and now, the difference, too, is the public is now helping subsidize these these just different otherworldly. And you look and say, that costs so much. And you're going to rake in, if you own a team like the Vikings, so much that that's changed things. I also changed from when I was, I don't know, maybe a teenager of seeing it that way. Uh, the more you learn, the more you kind of understand why the players end up holding out and why they're asking for the money they're getting. The other thing is um, probably the rookie holdouts are gone, and that I think has changed things too because that would have been a major gripe for fans that every year in training camp they had to listen to conversations about whether Sam Bradford would sign. and then Troy Williamson contract. was late to camp. Erasmus yeah. James was late to camp. And when they were paying people $50 million guaranteed, $60 million guaranteed, these quarterback top picks, for not ever even playing a down, mm-hmm. that I could understand having a beef as a fan. People like, come on, man, you haven't even done anything yet. You haven't even played it down. But if we're talking about somebody like Adam Thielen, who is making so little money compared to all of his peers that are on his level, I think we can all kind of relate to that in a way, even though we can't relate to those types of dollars. But we can say, you know, I mean, if somebody else in your craft is making triple what you are, you should be asking for that same type of money. Now, Adam Thielen isn't, just to to clarify. He's going to show up for camp, and he's going to play on his contract. And it hasn't even been discussed or broached, as far as I know. It kind of amazes me that he is, considering that Julio Jones also has years left on his contract, and he's planning to hold out a while. Miguel, how are you? How's it going? Oh, it's going good. It's going good. Talk Uh, to us. Well, I was going to say, we were talking about this uh, thing, and Forbes let that, uh, article out, uh, uh, and they're talking about all the wealth things going on in, in uh, all the sports franchises. And you guys brought it up. Well, twenty nine of the top fifty are in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So you know that they're making money because they're. The, the, that mean, I mean, the Cleveland Browns were last on the list. They're worth a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. The Cleveland yep. Browns. Yeah, the Bills sold for one point four, and they just made the playoffs for the first time in seventeen years last year. So the, uh, you know the money spread around. I I just don't. I've never understood from the players' standpoint how the the NFLPA would even settle for allowing those guys to the worst contract in all of sports. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. The Players Association is a complete joke, Miguel. Just a joke. Yeah. You know it. I know. You could could educate us on one lower-level hockey place, probably overseas somewhere, and those guys are getting paid guaranteed money. More yeah. than an NFL player. Yeah, Some probably tax-free with cars. Now, this is the fight that Thanks, is going to continue as, as we go along. They've got to go out. They, if they don't yep. go out, I never want to hear from them again. They've got to go out. And I know it's going to be tough because you got you got guys 30 through 53 on the roster who are going to say, I can't. But you know what? If you, If they don't strike... Considering the greed and the amount of cash that league rakes in, mm-hmm. if these guys don't go back and get get rights, get some rights, then I'm going to lose all respect. They should disband at that point. Yeah. If and they then, don't go out, then they shouldn't have. Then you know what? Don't pay your dues. Save save your paycheck that that, that shouldn't go in to the players' association, and just say we're folding it. I also think that when you see things, some people might see this perspective of the anthem issue, too, that if you are an employee and you have a union, mm-hmm. then you are supposed to have your union and ownership have conversations about issues like this and make decisions on them together. That's if you are just a regular employee anywhere at whatever company, you have a union, there's ownership, they negotiate these things and with the NFL, they care so little about the players' union that they just go off and make a rule by themselves. They don't give a damn about them. It, exactly. The and, NBA does, the NFL doesn't. Baseball and, has to. And that's kind of another point about why I think people can relate more 
to the player's side of it because that's what we see. And, and, you know, it's hard to relate to the dollars, but that's what you see sometimes as an employee where you feel like you don't have a whole lot of control over what happens where you work. And that's frustrating for anybody if they don't. And I think a lot of NFL players feel that way. So that's why they say, I don't care about you. Why should I show up to training camp? Pay me as much as I possibly can because you won't even let me say what I want to say or even talk to our union about us saying what we want to say. Hi, Reagan. Hey, guys. To me, the holdout thing is a specialization issue and how much your job is worth. So, for example, my job, I'm a college kid and I'm working a summer job that's making, you know, $14 an hour or whatever, which is okay. But a lot of people could do my job. It's not a hard job. It takes a few days of training. How many people could go into the league and be a starting left tackle or Julio Jones or an Adam Thielen? They get paid because nobody can do what they do. They're at the top of their level, and it's not easily replaceable. So I have no problem with them making as much money as they can. And holding out to me is not a problem. They should do it. Great call and a great point. And, and this is why I laugh when when Joe Twitter guy goes, well, in, in the Anthem thing, if I did the same thing, I'd be fired. Guess what? You would be fired. But what are you going to do? Fire Kirk Cousins? Like if Kirk Cousins says, I'm not going to stand, there's only X amount of people that, that can do that. You can't go get replacement players. So this whole thing of, well, I'm the same as a National Football League player and I have the same, it's a completely different ballgame. That's true. And I also think that we're applying that um, metaphor or whatever, that comparison. I think we're applying it incorrectly because if you think about it this way, let's say you work at a giant grocery store chain and all of the employees have a union and let's say you all like to wear your baseball hats and then all of a sudden ownership just said no more baseball hats and then your union said well wait a minute let's have this conversation they said no no we're not going to have that conversation you'd be like wait a minute wait a minute we there's something that's important to us we want the baseball hats our union wants to have a conversation and with they've you decided about this. you can't and, and they don't care what you have to say exactly right and that's what th- yeah. that's what's happening so it always kind of amazes me that you know i think people sort of get forced through the trees here with that particular issue because there are so many things politically that complicate it right but from the bigger view of it it's an ownership telling the union we don't care what you say we're just going to make rules without even asking you which they do consistently too and and that's where you you kind of transfer that over now to looking at an individual player's view yep. of oh, wait a minute our union doesn't even have a whole lot of power to make rules or even have these conversations when we want to have them they will lock us out in a second and try to they won't guarantee they, will, our, they, they don't will, guarantee our salaries they will not guarantee us and they will lock us oh, out yeah. in a second to try and make us all go poor and give in it's two, I mean, it's 2018 and it is a major story that Kirk Cousins got a 3 year 84 million dollar guaranteed contract baseball is laughing at you baseball is holding its sides rolling around on the floor, uproariously laughing at you. That's, do, that's a big story. I do wonder if that bubble's going to burst with baseball, with, uh, the, with their contracts. 651-646-8255 if you want to join the conversation. Mackie and Judd today is all getting collar. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Plans to attend the final 3M championship being held at TPC Twin Cities. It's going on next week, July 30th through August 5th. Come out for this free Champions Tour event and watch the Legends of Golf. Plus, catch 1500 ESPN broadcasting live from the tournament throughout the weekend. More details are at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Which part of the uh, baseball bubble do you expect to burst here, Matthew Collar? Well, just based on what we saw, you know, last offseason of teams not going crazy and paying these guys massive dollars, I have trouble thinking that almost anybody is going to be worth $300 million anymore. And I also wonder about the revenue in baseball if it's going to stay as high as it has been. Uh, there's a TV contract that will eventually come up, and who's <laughs> going to pay the big dollars when the ratings are not good? I mean, with with, with football, it was a it was a big 
lie that the ratings were falling apart with football? Oh, I mean, they, last year? Yeah. Well, they, it's been a lie for two years now. I mean, every, And by the way, people are watching in different ways now. Yeah. Like, they're streaming games. This notion, we go by this archaic system, right? You got a box on your TV and that, and that represents who's watching games. It's 2018. If you're really going by a a box on people's TVs at home, you're crazy. So yeah, football's in football's in fine shape, and and the long term football could be in trouble, very long term because of concussions and head trauma and all that stuff. I get that, but short term, this league is thriving. Yeah, it's it's doing extremely well. There was a report that came out about the ratings uh, recently about how they basically were just fine. And, I mean, consider that it's almost always the highest-rated program of the week, an NFL game, Mm -hmm. every single week that the NFL is on, on every network. So even if ratings go down by, you know, the like you said, the box on the TV says that there were a million less people watching, first of all, it's an estimate. That's basically just a guess. When you see any of these, oh, this many people watched, it's a guess. We all don't have monitors on our TVs that say exactly what we're watching at every moment. Yep. So it's always a guess. And the other thing is, too, that even if there were a million fewer people, there's probably also a million fewer people who even watch cable anymore or have cable anymore. If you're talking about, like, Monday Night Football or something on, on ESPN. So the ratings for what they're what they have as potential people watching are just about the same. Either way, they're raking cash. What did you say they got? All the owners, each one got two hundred and fifty million dollars. The Packers, yeah, book showed they they were basically yeah. It's it's it is the the fact that the Packers have to release that information is the bane of existence to this league because basically what it says is any of this woe is us crap is BS, complete BS. Uh, Neil, how are you? Yeah, pretty good, guys. How's it going? Good. Yeah, the, everybody I think knows that if their head ain't in the sand, the NFL's a cash cow. They don't lose money. You know, the owners, I mean, are they greedy? Probably. Um, they mean, some of these guys are so rich, this is just a hobby to them. Mm-hmm. But um, it, one, a couple points, and I'll, I'll hang up and let you guys uh, hammer it out. The concussion thing. Concussions, in my opinion, happen long, long, long before they get to the NFL. I mean, these guys have been pounding each other since they're eight years old. I mean, not that that's not the wrong way, to, right way to put it, but I mean, they've been having contact since they're little kids, right? And the, the NFL don't even have contact hardly until the games. I mean, sure they hit, but these guys have had numerous concussions long before they got to the NFL, and it's just the deep pockets they can get from the NFL, deservedly so. And the next point is, in the future, I think maybe within the next 10 years, either the NFL ain't there, which we know. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. NFL won't be there. No, it will be because people are wanted. They need their NFL. Yep. They're going to, all these players will have to sign a waiver, come in and say, well, we're never going to sue you because of concussions. We're never going to sue you because of long-term injuries, you know, and hockey's getting just as bad. I mean, these hockey players, I mean, everybody. Hockey's worse right now. Yeah. Hockey's worse. These guys are animals. They're animals. Okay. Thanks. Here's another point uh, as an offshoot. Hockey of says the... head trauma. We don't cause yeah, head trauma. I've never Garrett heard of Batman it. says, what, what have we done to cause head trauma? We have a nice little boutique sport. Um, the owners, from my understanding, as last reported, have been dragging their feet on actually paying the guys who won the concussion lawsuits. And the reason that they won the concussion lawsuits isn't just because they had concussions playing football. It's because they were lied to about it by team doctors, by the league. Which is what hockey's doing right now. Exactly. Hockey's trying the same act that football tried 10 years ago. That they were sent back in games that doctors knew they shouldn't have been sent back in, but they were pressured by coaches. There, There was a lot more going on there than just they had concussions. But, I mean... I do agree that what we're going to probably see is kids that are eight years old no longer can play tackle football. Right. That all the science says, and Everson Griffin brought this up last year, that you should probably be in your teens, 13, 14, before you start playing tackle football because you're of your brain and the way it develops. But that aside, I mean, it's another great point for why you should just try to get yours as a player. I mean, when, when these owners not only lose the concussion lawsuits because they lied about how, how much it might impact their players, and now they won't even pay out when they've clearly got the money. Yeah, which is, once again, the greed. If you mistake this group of guys for good guys, that's all you need to know. Uh, Will, go ahead. 
Hey, yeah, so the last call, caller was talking about how guys already have all the head injuries before they get to the NFL. Yep. Um, you know, how they're, you know, banging heads all, you know, all the years growing up. Uh, I, I kind of disagree with that. Um, I, right now, I'm a college football player. I played football in high school. There are lots of rules limiting what we can do at practice. Mm-hmm. So, for example, at college now, we, we're not allowed to go full pads two days in a row during camp. Okay. So that's, that's a lot less than, you know, what it used to be. Um, even in high school, there are rules on how, you know, when you can go full pads and when you can do contact. Also now neck exercises are part of our training program. We have a neck machine in the weight room. Guys weren't doing that, you know, 30 years ago. Sure. So all the, the statistics you have, they're from an era when you did hitting every single day, year-round. You didn't do neck exercises. And also when you had a concussion, there wasn't a protocol. You know, now, like in high school, I had a teammate. He had a concussion. You know, after he quit having the symptoms, he had to wait three days and then test again. You know, it's a long process to get back on the field. So I think the stats now, they're from players who played 20, 30 years ago. They're just, it's not the same. Sure. The way it's all run is different. So I think, you know, 30 years from now, the numbers are going to be totally different. So the numbers you look at now, I don't think accurately represent football today. Thanks, Will. We, Appreciate we, the call. Good stuff. We are improving a lot of the things that we do. But the, the thing about playing football and CTE and just how it works is, your brain is resting in fluid in there. It, it isn't just like locked into your skull. And when you take hits over and over again and you're jostling your brain up against your skull, that is the, the cause. Yeah. And there's no way to avoid that. I mean, all that stuff is great and we should try as right. hard as we possibly can. But there's no avoiding the risk that goes along with football, which relates to if you're a player right now and you're not being paid what your peers are being paid, go try to get that money because you never know how this might impact you long term. Football is not going to be in trouble in in 50 years because pro players quit playing. It's going to be in trouble because youth players aren't playing. And so there's not enough people playing it. But as long if as that's what if that's going to be the, the course, it's not going to be that that pro players are going to say this sport's too dangerous. I quit. It's going to be moms and dads saying my son's not playing. And all of a sudden, a once great quarterback is playing soccer. I do think as long as the money is what it is, that people will continue to play knowing the risk because the reward is the potential to be set for life financially for you and your family. All right. Let, let's come back. Uh, prop bets and over unders next. Mackie and Judd from the TCL broadcast studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged or Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.